Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. We're a little bit starstruck today, aren't we? Oh, very much so. Such a fan of our guest uh, who's going to be on the show. Such a huge fan. And uh, let me just say, as a as a bit of spoiler, we've actually already recorded the interview. We're doing everything out of order today, so we already know how good it's going to be I know. In, in a minute. And it's, <laughs> he's so great, our guest. It's good. Good stuff. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, emotional storms that come with ADHD, emotional and mental stress of ADHD. Uh, but before we dive in... Head over to TakeControlADHD.com, get to know us a little bit better. Listen to the show right there on the website, or subscribe to our mailing list on the homepage and get an email every time a new episode drops. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD, or call us at 503-664-4ADD to get your questions on this show. We launched this Patreon uh, account in alignment with ADHD Awareness Month, and we sure appreciate those of you who have already jumped in to support us and this show and the great work Nikki is doing around these building these resources. Uh, don't forget about us. Give us a shot over there, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Link in the show notes. Uh, we certainly appreciate it, and it helps us to be able to plan and grow and do all kinds of new things. So, uh, Well, and on a that. side note, I just really want – I want to get this Facebook page up and running. Yeah. I would love to interact with our listeners and and talk about episodes and guests and, and such. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Check it out. <laughs> check it out. <laughs> uh, we also have a bunch of uh, announcements again. Eight, oh, October is ADHD Awareness Month. You are doing so much stuff. Yes, I am. But I'm going to try to make it really quite short because I know it's so overwhelming by how much um, activity is going on in October. Um, so I'm going to make this as quick, you know, as quick as I can. Two webinars that I'm hosting October 3rd and 17th. And guess what? I have topics. <laughs> I know what they are. Uh, the first one on October 3rd is going to be Secrets to Succeeding with ADHD. And then on October 17th, I'm going to be talking about organizing with ADHD, Conquer Decision Paralysis. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I have a secret to tell people. If you cannot attend the webinars live, that's okay. Still register because they will be recorded and anybody that registers will get those recordings. So, oh, that's very um, kind. It, it, you know, I like to be kind all the time, um, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to go out of the way in kindness of, in October. So <laughs> I want to get the word out and I want people to be able to, um, you know, ex you know, watch this and, and learn something. So that's awesome. That's a secret that I'm only telling podcast listeners. So, shh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, another quick reminder, uh, Facebook Live every Friday until the end of the month. I am on Facebook at 3 p.m. Pacific on Friday. So I'd love to have you there. Well, that's today as we're recording this. Yes, I'm going to be there this afternoon. But Are you, are you ready? I mean, nobody's going to know, but are you ready? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Oh, I'm going to pull something out. Oh, you will. I know you will. You <laughs> always do. It'll be good. Okay. New thing came up. New thing. Yes. Yes. Um, I was asked to present uh, for Ada again this year as one of their presenters for their TAD Talks. Oh, I remember TAD Talks. Remember TAD Talks last I year? I do. Yes. So I'm going to be doing that again. Um, and I'm also going to be doing a webinar um, with Ada in December around setting realistic goals. So 
look out for that, more information on that. Um, and then let's see, please sign up for my newsletter. That's my note here. Please sign up for my <laughs> newsletter. And the reason I say that is there's more information on promotions that are going through the month of October on my products and services, but you need to be on that newsletter to see that and hear about that. So do that. Plus there's going to be more information through the newsletter about the TAD talks, um, the Chad conference that's coming up. Um, there's just so much, and I know it can be overwhelming if I try to like throw it all out there to you today. So visit the website um, to get more information and also join the newsletter and you'll have everything there as well. And I think we're updating the website uh, this week. So you'll yes. have it right on the homepage. We'll put, uh, uh, you know, we'll put whatever the next thing is. You'll be able to see it really easily right there. Yes. Through the month of October. There you go. There you all go. Right, let's get started. Our guest today is James Ochoa. He's author of Focused Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD. He's founder and director of the Life Empowerment Center in Austin, Texas. He's a counselor and executive coach, helping his clients discover ways to empower themselves in all areas of their lives. But it's through his candor of writing and presentation that his passion comes through in his work to treat the emotional distress of ADHD. And that's exactly why we are so thrilled to have him on the show today. We're huge fans. James Ochoa, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Oh, great, Pete. I really appreciate it. We're really looking forward to talking to you and Nikki today. Uh, this is like I... Uh, this is one of the funnest things I do. I love getting the message out about how to uh, handle uh, the diagnosis of ADHD. Well, I am thrilled to have you. Uh, excited to meet you. Excited to talk about this book. I have to tell you, um, before I even read the book, I had two clients, two, well, obviously two separate people. They're two, mm -hmm. two clients <laughs> come to me and tell me and, and say, I read this book and they, it was kind of funny about it is they, they called it forward focused. And I'm like, forward focused. That's a lot like focus forward. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, copyright. Else wrote like, that book. Yeah, this is a huge copyright <laughs> problem. And then we realized we were all talking about the same book. But I got to tell you, it touched them in a way. Um, it, it touched them so deeply. They were in tears when, and they, of course, wow. was they were listening to it on audio mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it, it really shifted the way that they saw their ADHD, the way that they saw themselves. And I got to tell you, they were much kinder to themselves after listening to you. Wow. That is so um, wonderful to hear. So I am so excited to, to share this with our, uh, listeners and talk about this book. Um, but before we do that, can we actually learn a little bit more about who you are and kind of what got you to where you are today? Uh, sure. I, I'm always, uh, it's always a fun story for me because obviously it's, a, it's an evolving story. I'm, I'm 56 years old and I actually love living in my fifth decade. It's actually, uh, I feel like I've got some experience. It's reasonable now. Uh, but uh <laughs> You know, up until that point, I would always wonder. But, I, you know, I started in the field, Nikki, um, in 1989, actually 1987 in the mental health field. And I started working with ADHD in 89. Um, and, you know, this is a story I tell of a playing a 100-card sort game with a, a six-year-old who was getting 40 to 45 pairs out of 50 every time I played him. And I discovered the six-year-old had a photographic memory. But... Uh, he also had a diagnosis of ADHD, and he threw chairs and bit people and spit on people and was horribly hyperactive. Uh, 
And this window opened up for me in 1989 of like, wow, we could have missed this six-year-old's photographic memory very easily because of his behavioral problems. And uh, a calling uh, really kind of woke up in me. Um, little did I know that that is kind of how my life was going to be centered almost for the next uh, 30 years. And um, it's been a fascinating ride because I grew up in a family of uh, a very large family of eight children. Um, and I was number seven in line there. And there were the first seven were born in eight years. So I was at the bottom of that heap. Wow. So it's just a fascinating space that I grew up in an enormous amount of chaos and, and intensity. But as I say now, thankfully, there was just real love uh, behind the scenes with my parents uh, even though there was just way too many kids in a, in a very small space. But, uh, you know, I think uh, that coupled with, I talk about in the book, I had a, uh, a closed head injury at four years old. And so um, I'm supposed to die at a hospital, obviously, and thankful to me and I think many others that I did not die. And so in that space, though, I became what's known as a miracle baby. And, and that's an odd kind of space to live through. But um, I was very hyperactive, very impulsive as a child, challenged boundaries left and right, I could easily have been diagnosed with oppositional defiant issues. And um, so in my discovery at 26 years old, uh, it became a real stark reality that um, this was a place I could help. I had no idea the journey would take me where it is, but the book that I wrote is a real call to action is really how I want to put it in that uh, I talk about kind of uh, waking people up by grabbing their shirt tail and pulling them in because the emotional and mental stress on the diagnosis of ADHD absolutely is the number one biggest conundrum and dilemma um, that I have had as a professional counselor in treating it uh, and it took me decades to figure it out but uh i really really believe um i have brought a voice to that space but also brought a lot of tools to use as i was going through the book last night i started jotting down the highlights that i had made <laughs> here in my kindle edition and the one that i've highlighted and underlined over and over again which uh, you know goes to my comment in your introduction about how delightfully candid your writing is uh, and, and I think as somebody who lives with ADHD myself, I, I need to hear not just the message, but how you say it. That's really important. Things like this. ADHD is no joke, and you ignore it at your peril. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, as I feel like uh, that speaks to you know any number of my friends and colleagues who have been living with it. If we've sort of come together around our ADHD and the struggle that came as a direct result of ignoring uh, how we live our lives and the struggles that we have in living our lives. Yes. It's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Yeah. It gets to this. I wonder if you could you could talk to this and, and address this question of, of the emotional distress syndrome. What is it? And, 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 and how do you come to, uh, to frame it like that? Well, I really appreciate you asking that uh, is uh, probably the most important part of bringing that aspect out for us to understand. And so the emotional distress syndrome of ADHD is the neurological, mental, and emotional stress that spins off of the diagnosis. And we don't have to do anything 
for it to happen. So when I miss following up, when I forget something, when I uh, say something I you know didn't want to, or I was a little too impulsive, that's a mental and emotional pop or a stress factor that spins off of the diagnosis to me. And so that happens incessantly throughout our life. And you know, if you didn't know you had ADHD, if you even knew you had it, it's still a stress factor. But if you don't learn to navigate that aspect of stress, then it does become what I call as a low-grade post-traumatic stress that I call the emotional distress syndrome. And I call it a syndrome, Pete, because it it's a natural component of this, but it's chronic in that it builds on itself. It's an exponential factoring that rolls on itself. And I, I have too many stories to tell in one lifetime of the number of individuals uh, who have come into my practice in that space of just being devastated by that kind of emotional stress. Um, and it's something that I have, uh, I have a life's passion for. I can't imagine doing anything else in my life other than getting the world to understand uh, that that is the component that's got to be dealt with. And so often that's the component that's, that's not being talked about. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you'd say that, Nikki, because it's not being talked about neurologically. It's that that could be a, a freezing kind of fight, flight, freeze response. I don't know, one, how to talk about it. It's so big. Two, I don't know what to do about it if I talk about it. Uh, because I will tell you, as a professional counselor, um, a very candid remark of, uh, I have a, a mentor psychologist, Larry, who I worked with kids in, way back in the early 90s with. And I asked him about adult ADHD diagnosis way back in the 90s. And Larry's candid response was, I, I don't want to work with adults with ADHD. And I'm like, well, Larry, what's going on? He's like, it's too complicated. It affects almost every area of their life. Uh, it's disruptive in, in huge ways. And he's like, and I was just stunned. I'm still stunned to this day, but that's an accurate statement. And so mm -hmm. if you're a professional and as a clinician, um, it's hard to wade into the emotional and mental stress on this diagnosis because it is so pervasive and overwhelming. But if you don't have tools for it, I mean, I say in the book that, you know, mm -hmm. I felt like a failure for years as a professional because I couldn't help my clients with this. Um, and I literally, I feel like that my clients in my practice have been pioneers with me to really work at it and work at it. Um, and it works. The tools I have in the book and the things that we do really are helpful on this spectrum. I actually put this uh, in my notes as kind of the quote when you talk about the good news and the bad news about EDS, which is the emotional distress syndrome, is that it's not going to disappear on its own um, and you're going to need to find a way to manage it for the rest of your life. Yes. But But you also say if you don't manage it, you know, it's going to continue to erode your sense of emotional, mental, and physical well-being. But what I love yeah. what you say right after that is that it can be managed, you're not broken, and you can live a full, interesting, yes. potential, reaching life. You can. I am, I am overwhelmed in my life with an adult diagnosed with ADHD myself, um, and the overwhelm in my life is positive. I have 
seven or eight what I call roller coasters <laughs> I'm currently building and riding. Um, and, and, but it's a good stress, and I know how to balance myself within it, um, and it's fun. And so I'm not. How many adults with ADHD can powerfully say that their life is fun and they enjoy it, and they're overwhelmed with goodness? Um, and you really, I absolutely know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can do that. It's not that it doesn't take effort, and it doesn't take practice, and it doesn't take understanding, but. If you don't bring a voice to the emotional and mental stress, then the adult with the diagnosis is like, I still feel like I'm out in the ocean here on my own. So one of the words that you used earlier is you were saying navigating. Yeah. And so I'm curious to know the difference between navigating and managing. It's a great distinction. And the difference really settles in that um, and I believe that there's something to the effect that I write in the book regarding that managing is the idea of scheduling. It's the idea of follow through. It's the ideas of consistency. And uh, those things are so challenging for us. And so in some ways, I think it's almost a setup that when we talk with uh, adults with ADHD, I do as a professional counselor, or we speak of it, we say, well, they just need to learn to manage it. And that sets off a stress cycle immediately versus saying, you know, this is something you're going to learn to navigate. So navigate means I get to move around. I can use a compass. I can look at where my life is going. Uh, but it's a journey. So it's got an ongoing movement to it. Uh, and because the management of our life is going to be a challenge based on the executive functioning differences that occur with this diagnosis. So to use that word sets off a distress cycle. It's kind of odd. Absolutely. It's like, well, I don't want to use it. So navigating, as I was writing this book over about three years with my writing coach and editor, Robin, uh, it became very clear that that's what this was about. Yeah. I mean, uh, managing implies control. And yes. as, as we know, so much of living with ADHD feels very much like uh, you know, the the sort of despair that comes from being out of control yes. most of the time. Navigating, yes. I love this concept of movement. It implies that you don't need to worry about control. You just need to learn a little bit of better how to bob and weave. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and I'll tell you, James, as a as a ADHD coach myself, I've used the word management, managing so many times. Mm -hmm. And uh, after listening to you just now and reading the differences in the book, I am definitely changing that. I, I, I agree with Pete. I think navigating is such a, it's such a, it's, it's less pressure, less overwhelming, and it's more true. It is more true. Well, the interesting, and it is, Nikki, and if you think about the, the, the phrasing there, managing begins to give you an external focus of others telling me, or I got to figure out from the outside in, whereas navigating says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Navigating means I'm the captain of the ship. Literally, it's going to come from the inside out. And that's the reference point that is enormously vital to use with adults with ADHD or anyone with ADHD to help them believe, understand, platform, strategize how they can come from the inside out uh, because they can. If you've been distressed your entire life and you're completely overwhelmed and out of balance all the time, it feels impossible a lot of the times. But when you begin to use terminology like navigating, the empowerment of that word begins 
to help somebody really believe, okay, wait, 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 really? This is true? Interesting. And I have thousands of ways that I, you know, access that point um, and talk with clients about how to do that. That's it. I mean, that is exactly it. And the, the thing that connects with, for me right now, is a, is a point I've been yammering on about probably too much over the last several weeks, which is this idea that the word managing also implies a normative standard of behavior around which people with ADHD must establish a base. And if, you're, if your ADHD is impacting you in some way, it must mean you are not, quote unquote, normal. And operating in a normal way, managing implies an anchor to that, and and uh, I just I, I love the freedom that comes from from you know abolishing that term. It's it's really it's important, and I think uh, even as clinicians or in research in the field, if you go to the fact right that the most conservative research right now that I, I really watch Russell Barkley's work from research because I feel like it's probably the most astute for years about making sure that it's uh, it, it's got good factoring involved on what it is but you know we're looking at like a 2.8 to 3% of the uh, 3% of the world's population has this diagnostic neurological patterning is how I talk about it that is a very very narrow window and so that means 97% of the people don't have that patterning. So to go and look for the general course of how most people do it, you're going to end up on the short end of the stick very quickly. Yeah. It just doesn't work, Pete. It's like, oh, this doesn't fit for me. And and I get on my soapbox a little bit with, with hypermedia today because hypermedia would tell us that 15, 20% of the population is ADHD. And it's just, it really complicates my job because it's not true. Stress overwhelm technology all those things are creating more attention problems in people yeah it is not diagnostic it is not this adhd diagnostic piece and as i say in my book all these people say they have adhd and i'm like oh, i'm not sure why you'd want to hang on a minute this is not a diagnosis that's why don't you just give me stress the rest of my life oh that'll yeah, be right, fine right, i'm like right. i don't i don't get it it's like everybody's got adhd i'm like uh i don't think you'd want everyone to have that well yeah adhd has become a shorthand it's become it a slang for describing that sort of anxiety stress combination yeah. with, you know everybody gets distracted by a squirrel occasionally well sure but yeah. sure and I talk about Pete, I'm like, yes. And so the way I reframe that with folks in society today is I say, look, everyone has attention problems from time to time based on stress or other kinds of things. We're talking about a chronic, genetic, neurological patterning that seriously affects someone's ability to reach potential if they don't understand it. And so I really try to stop the conversation and slow people down uh, to understand the seriousness of what it is. In your book, you talk about navigating the storm, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the subtitles, yep. navigating the storms of adult ADHD. And so can you explain um, a little bit about what a storm might look like for someone? Oh, man, that's a loaded <laughs> question, Nikki. I know. Um, so, <laughs> and only one example. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll just, um, geez, I'll just go personal on you for a minute, okay, with my own diagnosis of ADHD and tell you that um, let's just take, uh, let's take 45 minutes ago. Okay. Uh, actually maybe an hour ago. It's 1130 my time in Austin, Texas. And I had uh, one cancellation on my schedule. 
Uh, so I only had a couple of clients today. Oh, it's a nice free day. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm going along and all of a sudden I'm looking at my email and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There's the link to Nikki's podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that today? I, Kim and I have, my assistant and I have talked about this for weeks. We're looking forward to it. It is out of sight, out of mind to some degree on my memory, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm looking at it. I had set up going to lunch with someone at 1230. I've got to go change that. And I'm just like, and then I got to settle myself because I'm getting ready to be on a national podcast with these two wonderful people. And I'm like, so yes, my mental gymnastics, I'm on the call, I'm centered, I'm focused, but that was a storm. Okay, that was a squall. That was like the winds probably kicked up to 30, 40 miles an hour. I could feel them. And I had to slow my pace down. Uh, So a storm comes out of something that small. And a storm can come out of um, a a difficulty with follow-up, with being on time uh, that lasts my entire life. And, And you tell me that a storm that lasts your entire life just doesn't wear you down. I mean, it just, you're just so tired of trying to hunker down and hang on to the tree. Um, And so, yes, I have just probably hundreds. I know I have hundreds of skill sets to recenter myself uh, as I did in getting ready for this podcast. But that's the truth be told, right? I mean, that's a a normal aspect of my life that people go, why don't you just remember it? I'm like, um... Uh-huh. That's where it happens. That's the neurology. That that's the change. I don't just remember it. Well, and um, you know what's so funny about that? Like it seems like the the great curse of uh, of living with ADHD is somebody else who says, "Why don't you just mm-hmm. ellipses?" You know I, that I know. that is that leads yes, again back to this yes. emotional distress. Yes. This is not something that yes. that is easy to do. Yep. How does all this connect to sort of the inverse? of the emotional storm uh, or the, the storm when it comes to thriving with ADHD, yes. what does it mean to thrive? Like, is there, how do you define it? So the thriving aspect starts with validation about the reality of the condition. Okay. So first of all, I've got to val- I've got to be validated or understood and acknowledge that, wait a minute, I'm not crazy. This is a challenging aspect of a diagnosis. Then I have to educate myself, Pete, and I have to say, okay, what's the reality of this? As I talk about, I'm a very pragmatic person, which is how I wrote the book. It's very real. It's very grounded. So I educate myself. Then I start what I call personalizing strategies for my success. Personalizing strategies, again, comes from the inside out. Okay? I have my own pet peeve about recommendations on a report from a diagnosis they can be enormously helpful but they can also be enormously frustrating because they haven't been personalized to the individual and personalizing strategies could be anything from i use a purple pen to write on green paper because it's pleasing to my eye and i can remember then to write the letter i needed to write to my mother i wanted to write for the last week okay it's enormously specific that you start personalizing strategies Beyond that, you learn to calm your mind. You learn to center yourself more often. Mindfulness, meditation, building a relationship with that. I just wrote a really, really uh, uh, fun piece on um, mindfully being aware and kind of a summary of how to do that. 
uh, here recently that I'd love to, and I could actually send y'all if you want to put it as a PDF on, on your file here. Absolutely. Uh, and then beyond that thriving, then Pete, guess what? You get to start looking at things you want to do in your life, things you are interested in, things you uh, can actually begin to focus on and get done because you're not so frazzled. And so what does thriving look like? It's funny because I read the uh, uh, the very last story in my book is a shiny object ending of me chasing. Uh, uh, I was actually going to a glass blowing class, uh, of which I have. <laughs> There's nothing more shiny than two thousand degrees on the end of a stick. It's like whoa! That's, that's terrifying. It's gonna, to be it's gonna right keep me focused. I think I'm breaking out in a sweat. Well, it's gonna keep me focused, but. Uh, but, you know, I have ongoing places where in my artistic abilities of creativity that I fuel on top of customizing kind of how I work and what I work in. So uh, I think it's interesting on the thriving piece. It's, it's doing what you really want to do. It's not that you're going to not be frustrated or hit storms. You know how to recenter. Uh, but I'm just I'm happy. I'm content. I enjoy what I do. I I love the way you say that. And I think that the correlation between um, thriving uh, or ability to thrive in the face of stress for me relates directly to the level of confidence I have in the systems that I count on to help me recenter. Yes. And, And Pete, when you build those systems from the inside out, then you're the architect. Yeah. You are not relying on someone else to tell you how to do it or to help you reorganize. And, um, you know, I will say briefly that, okay, you've got these internal systems, right? And you're a personal, you're working on a personal strategy. Uh, I do say in the book, you know, there's a factor of being consistently inconsistent on the diagnoses where a strategy suddenly stops working. I forget about it. I'm not interested anymore. And so the art of resetting is critical Mm-hmm. When around your personal strategies. Oh, I see. I'm forgetting to brush my teeth, so I'm going to move my toothbrush on the left side of the sink instead of the right. It can be that simple, uh, but resetting is really a critical aspect around personal strategies. Well, and I just have to say, it's interesting. I had a conversation with someone about consistency because, as you know, James, that's a huge mm-hmm. concern for so many people. <laughs> and I told her, I said, you know, um, don't worry about being consistent all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and she was just like, what? Yes. And I'm like, it's, it's, it, that's the reality. You're never going to be consistent every day. Right. If you can do it two or three times a week, then that's a win. Exactly. Consistency is almost as loaded a term as managing. It right? is. It, it is. is. And you're right, it's, Pete. You're right. It's awful. And you know what she said? And this was such a beautiful thing for me to hear as a coach. She said, as soon as you said, and this, this was later, yeah. but she said, as soon as you said that to me, you gave me hope. Yeah. And, it, and it's amazing, right? It's just that validation right there of hope that's so like, okay, I'm not crazy. That in, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I talk about it as being consistently inconsistent. It's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It really is okay. And uh, more than okay, it, re- it lets that air out of that stress bubble, that thinking that it was supposed to be something different. Well, and something else that I want to highlight that's in your book that I just 
resonates so well with me and I just absolutely love is you you talk about compassionate curiosity. And one of the things that I highlighted is you said, what do you discover when you quietly pay attention, replacing judgment with curiosity? Oh my gosh. Yeah. If every single person with ADHD could do that, yeah. I, I think they would be happier. I think they would be yeah. in a more joyful place. Yeah. And I, and I can't agree with you more. It is obviously a space I, I work at honing myself because that compassionate, uh, that compassionate curiosity really is an aspect of hitting a pause button. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that pause button is one of the underactive areas for us with ADHD that uh, doesn't happen as easily. It's not that it can't happen; it doesn't happen as easily. Okay, so learning to—I have a term right now in uh, mindfulness meditation practices that I teach, and um, I call it slow motion. And it's part of a, what it's called a micro meditation. So in slow motion, I tell people literally, if you're walking to your car, slow down your walking by 25%. Okay, you're not you know you're not stopping at all, but it, it, it mindfully brings you back into the space of recentering yourself, uh, and you can be more peaceful and kind of look around. And so it sets up the space, Nikki, for being curious and compassionate of wow, I have a lot going on right now. I can handle this. But even like, you know, slow motion kind of slowing down is really, really helpful sometimes to gauge or to engage that pause of becoming compassionate and curious. You know, here's a here's a a, a free lesson for those trying to find be, become more compassionate and curious and slow down. Remember when your mom used to tell you to slow down and chew your food 25 <laughs> times before you swallow? <laughs> That works wonders. It does. It, <laughs> it does, Pete. The benefit is you actually learn to taste your food more. This is amazing. I never in the world, I told her about five years ago, I said, this is the most amazing thing, mother. You have no idea. My ADHD is directly impacted by slowing down and eating. You win. That is great. You win. That is really, that is really good. Just really what a good. mom wants to hear. Exactly. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're right. She, I will tell you, your mother went to bed happy that night. She sure did. She was happy. <laughs> well, I have just one last question. Yeah. Um, if someone is in the storm right now, obviously, I would say get this book because you're going to learn a lot of strategies that we didn't cover today. Yeah. But what would you want um, somebody listening today to take away that maybe they could do right now that might help them feel like they're navigating, that like they're the actual captain? Sure. I think uh, the, the key aspect to that is, first of all, uh, validate that the stress that you feel around the diagnosis is real. You're not crazy. That's a critical aspect to let go of that. Okay, wait a minute. This is real, and what I'm feeling is accurate. And something that uh, folks can do and take away immediately is as often as you can think about during the day to literally stop yourself for one minute, one minute is not that long of time. It is a 60-second mark, okay? Set a timer, count in your mind up to 1,000, 1,001, 1,002, up to 1,060. Face the sun, close your eyes, feel the warmth, 
reset your neurology in one minute increments throughout your day and you will begin to have a reservoir of resilience that will begin to build over time and it could be as soon as that day or a week you're gonna begin feeling better because your body is coming back to center and it's not so frazzled and hypervigilant our minds need to rest and to be at a resting point our minds run at a hundred miles an hour and we don't do this and I const I've been doing this for 20 years Nikki that throughout my day when I feel that ramp up and I go wait a minute is not that long and I stop myself so that's the one thing I would have people take away outside of validating the stress is real you can learn to deal with it my book is full of tools and um, I will tell you, I've got some, I've got a very fun project coming up this fall. Uh, I am producing a radio show podcast educational series called the complex. Oh, and the, com the complex is a radio show story of six characters who live in this little apartment complex unannounced to them uh, that they all have ADD and the person who owns the complex comes and sees me as a counselor and discovers these people have this ADHD because they're driving him crazy. And I begin to teach him about it. And then I do afterthoughts after the radio show that will tell people about how to handle those aspects of ADHD. I wanted it to be an interactive, fun way. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a brainstorm of mine over the last six or seven months, but I was really looking for a way to get the concepts in the book and really pop them out there in a way that were meaningful. Where, oh, I can't where, wait. Yeah, where can people find out about this? Um, about the they complex? can go. Is it available yet? It's not available yet. It's going to be a six series podcast, uh, Pete, that will be released, we believe, once a week. Uh, we're going to release one. Um, and so it's a building series where you learn about these characters. Uh, I, I can't wait to get feedback on it. And so on my website at uh, jamesochoa.com, J-A-M-E-S-O-C-H-O-A.com, um, I will have, there'll be a link uh, for folks who want to sign up to, to know when that's coming out. Uh, and I anticipate a mid to late October. So not, not very far away. And um, um, uh, the post-production is being completed uh, as we speak. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's so much it's a fun. Great idea. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And the complex that the, by by the way, obviously the name just came naturally out of the whole oh. place. It's like oh my I think we'll call this the complex. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It might be a TV show. <laughs> well, it could be, Nikki, because I tell you, my uh, my writing coach and editor and um uh uh, the other uh, writer of that, a, a gentleman named Jules Anthony, who is actually, uh, you know, part of it. They wrote these with me, and it's just been phenomenal. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I've never done anything like this, but, uh, you know, it was certainly shiny. Oh, That's truly. Great. Well, it's and such a great way to, to kind of, um, you know, approach these issues in a very creative yeah. way, you know, this through this sort of presentation. Yeah, of it's a lot the of, way we, we love stories. We do. Students, boy, great. boy, do we love stories. And I also yeah. want to let folks know, I am going to be at the National Chad Conference this year in Atlanta uh, oh, speaking. Me too. Great. 
Great. Are you, you're speaking, I aren't am you? speaking on Friday afternoon on the emotional storms. Uh, I think at four o'clock on Friday afternoon, I'm speaking. Uh, and, oh, well, I'm going to be in your audience. Well, just wait. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be an ex- it's going to be a fun roller coaster. I'm going to have a blast doing it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so if you great. guys haven't, we're going to be talking about the Chad conference here. Um, I think in our next show, that's great. next, next show or the show after. So right. we'll definitely bring that up again because, um, yeah, that's, that's great that you're going to be a speaker. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm about really that. excited. I'll awesome. be great to meet you for sure. Well, this has been just terrific, James. Thank you so much. Now I've got links in the show notes to all of your social media stuff. Excellent. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and your website, tlec.info, and of course, the book, Focused Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD. Uh, Thanks for writing it. Thanks for joining us and talking to us about this. And we really, truly mean this. Let's not make this the last time we talk on this podcast, please. Great. Uh, Let's not. I would love to talk again sometime. Uh, I've really appreciated y'all having me on. The service y'all do in getting information out like this that gives resources uh, to all of us diagnosed with ADHD are just so critical. Very kind. So kind. True, but so true, Pete. Really, come on. No, true. We we are in this. We are in this. Accept that. It's a really big deal. And I really appreciate all the work. I mean, you've got such a great, great audience and a great podcast going. Uh, These things are just so, so important. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. Come on. (laughs) Good. Uh, This has been great. Thank you so much on behalf of James Ochoa and Nikki Kinzer. uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We certainly appreciate your time and your attention. We will catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. 